All right, so uh, we will begin with Charlie's Angels. Um, I liked it, you know. Uh, I honestly don't understand why people are um, hating on this movie so much. I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, um, other than just sexist jerkwads, you know, that hate women. Um, is the only logical conclusion I can think of. Because the movie really is not that bad. You know? Like, it's not even bad at all. It's it's good. You know? It's not great, but it's good. Uh, you know, like, I don't get it. You know? I mean, like, I was just on IMDb, like, scrolling through the trivia for stuff. And then uh, I was looking at, you know... Uh, the uh, you may also like uh, section that recommends other movies that are of similar nature perhaps and a lot of them you know are were uh, you know like we had the original Charlie's Angels and then the movies with uh, Cameron Drew and Lucy um, and stuff and then you had you know a bunch of other stuff so like I clicked on the uh, first Charlie's Angels movie with Cameron Diaz, Drew Barrymore, and Lucy Liu. And, uh, you know, f- that has like a 5.5 five rating. And then uh, the second one, Full Throttle, had like a 4.9. And then you go down the list from there and you see like the Laura Croft movies and like Miss Congeniality. You know, all these female-led movies and like... Miss Congeniality is like the highest rated out of all of them, but even that only has like a 6.2. And again, like, you know, I don't want to like throw a blanket on the thing, but I'm pretty sure it's just because people are sexist. Because like, not like, cause some of those movies are actually pretty decent, you know? Like, they're not the best, but they're pretty good. You know, like, I mean, I thought the, the Angelina Jolie Tomb Raiders were, were okay, you know, like, Cradle of Life was kind of, eh. But, you know, like, they're not all this bad, you know? I mean, I talked about the the first Charlie's Angels movies uh, a couple episodes back, and, you know, uh, just remembering those movies, I mean, like, they weren't, they weren't, like, just pieces of just... Ugh, shit, you know, like, they were, they were decent, you know, like, if I would, like, you know, if just going off my memory of them, I'd give them at least a, a six, or a seven-ish, um, this new one, though, I, I would say, I'm, like, right now, I'm at a seven for it, but I'm thinking when I see it again, I'll probably bump it up to an eight, it's just these little things, and it's, and see, the, my complaints with the movie have had literally nothing to do with, like, the fact that it's a uh, woman-led film written and directed by a woman. Like, none of that. It's just these little tiny things that uh, it's either script stuff, like, some of the dialogue was meh, meh. Um, And then some of the, like, scenes had, like, weird... Like, there was this one scene where they're... They, uh... They just escaped this this place. They went undercover in, and they're, you know, having like a chill debrief. 
kind of a vibe going on and some dude got killed because of what one of the angels did and like so they're like just having the conversation and it's like whatever and then it just goes straight to like it's this one line and then the next line is oh my god I can't believe like he's dead this is horrible and then it just goes on from there like there was no segue into the line and there was like no segue out of the line and I'm just like if that was the script then but I think it was more editing like I think there was like another line in there or something like that and the editor like just took it out for some reason I don't know excuse me and then like the uh, like the first fight scene was kind of eh um in in like certain and like some like there were some weird edits in it and then uh like the car chase scene um that also like had like one or two weird little things in it um like like the like one car gets pushed down some stairs and then it's right by a river, so the idea is the car's getting pushed into the river, but, like, it, it's like the car hit, lands at the bottom of the stairs, and it's only, like, I don't know, like, maybe 10 or 15 steps, something like that, um, maybe 20, uh, car rolls, and then, like, for some reason, it, like, shoots up in the air, and I don't know how or why uh, that happened you know um so just little tiny things but like once it once like but uh once you get into the heart of it like the meat of it then like it's it it finds its feet you know like it stumbled like i said it stumbles a bit at first but then it finds its feet and it's it's actually pretty good um you know like Kristen stewart did a great job um naomi scott did great and ella uh crap now i'm forgetting her last name um like the angels they did great i thought um Elizabeth Banks was cool. Uh, you know what I mean? What it is, I think, is just that, like, Elizabeth Banks has not directed a action movie before. Um, so they're just, like, little action, like, you know, like, what you think, like, like stuff that a f- like someone who's making an action movie for the first time would do, would do things, you know? Um, which... I'm not that busted up about it. Um, it just it. I was just a little bit disappointed because I went in thought I knew it was going to be a lot better than it was, and uh, I was a little bit let down. But it was still really good, you know. Like, I mean, I really like Kristen Stewart. You know, I always have, um, and I thought it was really fun to see her play this, you know, scrappy, you know, um, ne'er do well. You know, or, uh, you know, um, uh, <laughs> type, type person who's, you know, become this, uh, uh, international super spy kind of thing. Um, I thought that was, that was really cool. Um, I just, yeah, I just don't get it. You know, I, I, I just don't get it. Like, the, 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 the plot I thought was, was, was decent. You know, like, uh, the, because uh, it's, so what it is, it's like the, the Naomi Scott's character, um, she is on this science team that's trying to make this power source, and it turns out the power source can, uh, like, be, uh, 
reverse engineered to set set off a pulse that's like an EMP that can affect humans and kill them. Um, and she wants to fix that, and her bosses won't let her fix that, so she goes to the Townsend Agency so that she can try and fix it, and nobody wants her to fix it. Um, and, you know, bad guys want to use it to kill people, so... Because uh, it's like undetectable and you know blah 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 blah, um, and I thought that that was a cool. Little, I thought that was a nice plot, you know, like because we've seen the suitcase nukes and the in the in the nuclear launch codes and the blah blah this and the chemical warfare and the da da yada blah blah, you know. So I like that they they tried to make make something make it fresh, you know, and do something different with the. Uh, with the um you know the uh, the 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 thing that's going to kill everybody uh plot device you know um i liked that uh i and I, I just thought it was creative you know like and i mean for someone who hasn't done an action movie before i think elizabeth banks did a really good job you know i mean i think she might might have needed to do a little teensy weensy more prep work um just like in terms of like maybe storyboards or something like that um or uh like have like i don't know like cuz stunt teams will um often f like when they're choreographing a fight scene to show a director will often film it um just to give the director kind of ideas about what they could do with shots and stuff like that and I, I don't know. I don't know if she did. I don't know all the behind the scenes stuff behind it. But I feel like if Elizabeth Banks had done that, though that those fir that first fight scene would have looked a little bit better, just a smidge. But also, like I said, there was like one or two like weird edits that were just like, eh, I don't know about that. Um. So yeah, you know, I have a few complaints, but overall, I thought it was very, very good. It's a solid movie, you know. And I just don't understand why the, it, this is happening, you know? I mean, same thing happened with Terminator Dark Fate, you know? Everybody's, like, not everybody, but a lot of people are talking shit about that movie. And it's directed by Tim Miller. James Cameron is back producing. So, like, in terms of being, like, a faithful, kick-ass Terminator movie, it checks the boxes, you know what I mean? And the only thing that's really different about Dark Fate is the fact that the three main characters are all badass ladies, you know? And and I'm like, it's like the best, it's, it's up there with T2 in my opinion, you know what I mean? And it has like a 6.2 rating. And I'm like, why? You know? And with all these movies, the only thing that makes any sense is that it's a cast with all chick leads with all female leads and you know what i mean it's that's the only thing i could think of the only reason i mean cuz there's nothing wrong with these movies at their at their core you know like <clears throat> i mean with, with i mean like with, the, with 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 charlie's angels here like like i said i laid out what you know some little things that i i think are uh, that you know but other than that, it's it's good, you know, and it's just like, you you know, I don't I don't get it. I just don't get it, you know. Like, you can have a woman with, like, you 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 know what I mean? Like, you like Wonder Woman. I feel like was successful because it was so well made, 
but they're also like you know it what like the whole movie didn't take place on Themyscira you know what I mean I feel like if it did then that movie would maybe not have done so well but maybe so but because it's a comic book character so I think feel like people wouldn't care so much but I mean dude like for real though like the only it's the only thing I could think of is why people are hating these movies is because it's late it's a bunch of ladies um, I mean, and literally, like, every guy in this movie is a bad guy. And, yeah. I mean, like, for real, though. <laughs> I mean, like, every dude in this movie does something shady, at the very least. Except for one guy. And, well, I mean, there's there's other dudes that are, like, in the towns and agency, but we, don't, we only see them for, like, one minute. And Michael Strahan is a Bosley. So, that was interesting. <laughs> but, you know, I mean... You know, I'm sorry, I'm rambling here because I just don't get it. I just, I ha I don't, I can't comprehend why people are hating this movie so much other than the fact that they must be sexist. You know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe it is, I, maybe it is that I just like movies too much. I, that's the only thing, you know, that's, the, I guess that's the only other thing that could be possible. It's just, I like movies so much that I'm willing to somehow... Uh, with all the movies I've seen, just like complete and and you know the ones that I absolutely abhor and hate, like the last Starfighter. Um, you know, just in, just overlooking glaring, you know, terrible, horrible, ugh, bad things about movies. But I don't think so. I think I know what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Let, uh, I don't get it. Well, that was a fun way to start the uh, the episode. <laughs> um, so yeah, in conclusion, good movie. Doesn't deserve all this getting shat on by people. Um, and I thought... Everybody did a great job. You know, you have Jonathan Tucker as the mute henchman, which was which was a cool addition. Um, Patrick Stewart's in the mix, which is dope. Uh, some of the um, and the and one of the nice things about it too is that it's not a reboot or a remake, and it doesn't retcon anything. Like in the history of this world, in this universe, uh, of this movie. Everything Charlie's Angels related has happened. So all the adventures that the ladies from the TV show and the, the the two movies with Cameron, Drew, and Lucy, all that stuff happened in the same universe as this one. So, you know, I like that. I think that's really cool. You know what I mean? So I don't get it, guys. I don't get it. We have two possibilities, and one of them seems pretty damn likely, you know? And that's that there it's, you know, a bunch of dudes who also happen to be movie critics went and saw this movie, and just, I don't know, they got an itch in their pants about how many ladies there were, and and how badass they are, and how they're self-reliant, and they don't have to rely on, on you know, the, the big man to take care of them. Ooh. I'm a man, and I'm the one who's supposed to take care of the ladies. Ladies can't take care of themselves. Yeah. It's either, it's either that, or I like movies too much. 
I, I think we can probably safely say which one it is. Um, so, fuck those guys, is all I have to say about that. And uh, go Angels, because uh, I would actually really like to see another one of these movies, you know? I feel like now that Elizabeth, that she's done it, Elizabeth Banks has done it, because, um, you know... Because as the movie goes on, I feel like they must have shot in chronological order. Because like I said, the movie just gets better and better as it goes on. You know what I mean? So I feel like they must have shot in in, in continuity. Uh, not in, con- in, con- <laughs> in chronological order. I just said it two seconds ago. In chronological order. Because um, everything just gets tighter, you know? Like, the action gets way better. The stunts get way cooler. Um, you know, the actors are doing a lot of their own stunt work and stuff like that. And you can see the... The progression as it goes on and you know it ends with some very with a very satisfying climax I thought so uh, and then getting to see some of the original angels uh, was pretty toit and then Ronda Rousey got thrown in the mix somehow which was um, pretty tight because I mean I like Ronda Rousey I don't know I'm just not a hater you know what I mean I'm just not a hater so yeah good movie good solid movie i would really like to see another one because i feel like it'll be even better you know like it'll be like super good um but anyway yeah seven right now but i might upgrade it to it to an eight uh i'll let you know (laughs) all right stay tuned and we'll be back with more of jim goes to the movies All right, now we come to Jojo Rabbit. A little bit lighter fare. You would think, but you would be wrong, kind of. Um, (laughs) So this is a um, dramedy. Um, The way they advertised it, it it looks way more funny than you think it's going to be. But I thought it was perfect the way it was. Uh, So it's this young boy named Jojo who is growing up in Nazi Germany at the tail end of World War II, and he's super into all this Nazi stuff, so much so that his imaginary friend is um, Adolf Hitler. (laughs) Played to perfection, by the way, by Taika Waititi. Um, Just, uh, like, probably one of the best Hitler performances, (laughs) because it's, like, not really Hitler at all, (laughs) but it's amazing. Um... It's so, it's just an incredible movie, you know? I mean, the cast is insane, you know? Alfie Woodard and uh, Sam Rockwell and Scarlett Johansson, Scar Joe in the mix, you know, all these amazing people. And um, and it's just incredible. So, so it's this kid who's really into this Nazi stuff and one day he gets blown up um, at a kind of a Nazi, you know, weekend summer camp thing and, uh, gets a little, gets a little messed up, um, recuperates and, you know, starts going back and doing his Nazi stuff. And then he finds out that his mom has been hiding a young Jewish girl in their house. And he is, um, not incredibly, uh, pleased about, <laughs> about this development, so, um, it's very much a coming of age, you know, lear- uh, you know, figuring out how you feel about stuff as opposed to what other people are telling you to feel about things, um, which makes it a very 
in a very socially important movie, you know, um, like this movie, it could have been about and like it could have like the the characters could have been anybody, but the fact that it's, you know, a young kid growing up in Nazi Germany with an imaginary friend in Adolf Hitler, uh, just kind of raises the bar of emotionality, and uh, like um, just kind of like yeah, this is it, it's you know eighty years ago or whatever, but it's still incredibly relevant. Um, and it's just a great movie overall, you know, like it's very funny. It's got a lot of heart to it, a lot of soul. Um, the, the drama, the human drama is, uh, just very much intense and, uh, really hits you where you live, you know? And, I don't, it's just a really good time for movies right now, you know, because uh, a lot of the times you hear about how hard a movie is to make and, you know, yeah, absolutely, like these smaller, independent, more independent kind of things are becoming harder and harder to get made, but when they do, they sparkle and shine like a diamond in the sky, you know, I mean, that was, I got a little... <laughs> I was a little flowery, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like the, it's, it, it's just magical. You know, it's a magical time for, for movies these past few years. Uh, just some real, real gems that, uh, are just huge, amazing standouts. And Jojo Rabbit is definitely among them. I mean, just like, just the, the the idea alone of of this kid who's so into this Nazi stuff and hating on Jewish peoples and everything like that, and for him to start spending time with this young Jewish girl and start having these thoughts of like, oh, you know, she doesn't seem all that bad. Like, she seems kind of nice. She's kind of cute, whatever. You know? Um, like... That's that's some pretty intense stuff going on, you know what I mean? So, uh so that's 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 one of the that's just one of the great things about of the many great things about this movie um is that message, if you will, of, you know, don't let other people force their opinions on you, you know, figure out your own stuff. You know what I mean? Like don't don't let other people influence you when you think to yourself, no, I do not agree with that, really, you know, because um, there's uh, there's so much of this, you know, um, desire to be part of the group and the collective um, throughout history because pretty much all living creatures, you know, no, there's no, like, being on the planet that is like well I mean there's probably a few but like you know that are just loners that just want to live their lives in solid in uh solitude um you know I mean even you know your lions and your tigers uh when the dude cat has uh you know gets the girl cat pregnant um they go off and just do their own thing you know, maybe get another girl cat pregnant or whatever. 
and they'll just kind of rock around by themselves for the most part. But, you know, every couple of months they'll swing back around to this group of, you know, mama and babies and be like, what's up? Everything cool? All right, peace. I'm outie. You know what I mean? So every everything wants to form a connection with something else, you know, and human beings that is kind of instilled in our DNA at this point um, as we've evolved as creatures because uh, our the our survival was dependent upon community and um, being part of a group you know we, we couldn't have you know killed a, a woolly mammoth or fought off you know a pack of saber-toothed tigers um, if it was just one dude in a cave by himself you know you had to start a tribe and then a village and then a city and then a country um, because you know this tribe would join up with that tribe and you know so and so as we've gone on it's gotten to the point where it's this crazy conglomeration of individual groups and then within the the that individual group you have other groups you know and that's what makes America and, and, and a lot of these other countries that have this diverse um, population so interesting is that, yeah, we're all Americans or we're all Brit we're all Brits or we're all French or whatever. But within that, then you have these like subset groups. So it's like, I'm an American, but you know, my ancestors were Native American as opposed to yours who were English as opposed to yours who were Danish. Um, you know, or like, or, you know, someone like, you know, me, which is probably the majority now, which is like, I'm a, a mix of a lot of different stuff going on, you know, got a little English in there, got a little Native American in there, got a little French and whatever, blah, 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 going on. So it's just, it's, it's crazy because when you think about the situation that Nazi Germany wanted to um, force upon the world, which was this pure blood, um, no race mixing and not even and even for going further than just race um you know and color and stuff like that being like no we only want blue blonde hair blue eyes that's it and you know yeah you're white and you may have blonde hair and blue eyes but you're jewish so that's no good you're a gypsy i don't like you you're you're homosexual so that's out and that's insane you know I mean, it's it's an epic undertaking of social engineering in the most evilest of ways, you know. And when if you stop and think about that for a second, you really realize how stupid and petty a lot of arguments we have today are. And this movie, again, out of the many the list of many great things about it, really highlights how stupid it is to to hate somebody else just because of how they look you know or their faith or lack or you know lack thereof um or you know whatever you know what i mean like it's stupid to hate somebody specifically because they're jewish there's no there's no reason for it you know there's no reason to just hate every single white person in the world there's no reason to hate every single black person or Mexican or Asian or whatever you know what I mean there's no reason for it if you want to hate somebody hate them because they're an asshole <laughs> you know what I'm saying like 
like Hitler, that was a shitty person. You can hate him. That's okay. Stalin, shitty person. Hate him. Coney, that's an old, that's an oldie but a goodie. Um, he was a shitty person. Hate him. You know what I mean? Like, if someone commits a mass genocide, they're definitely not somebody that you should be looking up to. You know what I'm saying? And if somebody is out there talking about God hates fags, well, guess what? If God does exist, which I don't believe he does, he hates you. Um, well, probably not because, well, I mean, depending on who you talk to, God is either all love or, you know, the fire and brimstone send people to hell guy. Um, so, yeah, God may, in fact, hate you or not because uh, if God, like, because, you know, I'm not going to get into that. But anyway, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's no reason to be a hater and to be such a, uh, just a monumental prick to people because they're different from you, you know? And in a movie like this, with such a compelling and uh, intimate way of portraying that idiocy is so important for people to see, you know? And I don't, th I, I doubt every anyone's going to go as deep into it as I am with this particular movie, unless they're like a film scholar or a historian or something like that. Um, uh, or an agent for social justice or some shit like that. Just because I think everybody would, I think most people probably just see it in the context of, of the events portrayed in the film and are not extrapolating upon that. Um, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to do that for you. <laughs> I'm here to uh, to uh, uh, bring out the other stuff that that is that is there that's bubbling beneath the surface, or at least what I think. Um, that's my job, uh, and that's what I love, and, and it's awesome. So you know, just stop being a dick. You know, like <laughs> I like to. It's I say it all the time. Um. But it's, it's so true, you know? It is so much easier to not be an asshole to people. It is so much easier to be nice to people. It really is. You know what I mean? Like, with, there's a few exceptions, you know? There are a few exceptions where it's like, Oh my god, I wish I could just yell at you in the face right now and just be like, You suck! But even then, that's just like a momentary um, gratification. Uh... But when, you know, you have somebody who's in your face and just being kind of a dick and you just, you know, let it roll right off of your back like water, just like, whatever, dude, that is that is just way easier to deal with, you know, because you know, especially if you have a job where you do like customer service and you have someone yelling in your face about, you didn't do this right, you didn't do that right, me, me, me. It would be so easy for you to just be like, well, you know what? Fuck you! But then you would get fired. So, <laughs> so in the long run of things, it is so much easier to be nicer to people. And that's how we have society and culture, you know, is because this group of people said to this group of people, hey, let's be chill. Let's be homies. You know what I'm saying? And then, and then that group of people became homies and they saw another group of people and they were like, hey, you guys seem pretty chill. Let's all three of our groups be homies. And that's how you get these great diverse um, uh, societies, you know. And if we just kept doing that, the world would be a better place, you know. Just 
walk up to a stranger and be like, hey, let's be homies. And just be nice to people, you know? Like, I mean, come on, guys. You know what I mean? It's not rocket science. Mr. Rogers said it for years. I've been saying it for years. Just be kind. Just do it. <laughs> um, on that note of just be kind, um, and also don't forget to rewind. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I will end this. <laughs> All right, Ford v. Ferrari. Um, I just got home from seeing the movie. Took a minute to uh, just chill out for a second before I started talking about it. Um, wow. Uh, <laughs> so, right off the bat, easily one of the best films of the year. Um, one of the best uh, race films of all time. One of the best car films of all time. Uh, it is just an extraordinary film. Um, <laughs> I mean, I kind of even don't even know what to say right now. Like, I'm kind of, that's how blown away I am by the experience I just had. Uh, I'm almost at a loss for words because this movie is just beyond, it's just, it's one of those movies that's just beyond um, like anything, uh, and not only does it meet your expectations, it greatly exceeds them. Uh, you know, cause I went into this knowing full well that it was going to be kick ass. You know, I knew it was going to be great just because you got Matt Damon, you got Christian Bale, you got John Bernthal, and then you have James Mangold directing, um, and James Mangold, you will know from stuff like Walk the Line and Logan and so on and so forth. So the guy knows how to make good movies. Um, and this is no exception, you know. And then, you know, of course, when you have these great actors, you're expecting uh, great performances. And without a doubt, that is what <laughs> is delivered to you. Um it was just so damn good, you know? Um, so, if you don't know what's going on with this movie, I'll give you a, little, a quick thing. So, it covers the um, lead-up and the event itself of the um, showdown between Ford and Ferrari in the 1966 uh, 24 Hours of Le Mans race. Um the 24 Hours of Le Mans is probably still one of, if not the most grueling sporting event in the world, um, you know, and it just takes so much out of you as a, as a driver and then the crew, the pit crews and the, the, the race teams themselves, um, because there's so much work that goes into developing an LMP, which is uh, a Le Mans prototype car. The Just the insane amount of time and effort and money that are put into developing and building these cars. 
is monumental a task and it is just absolutely insane because these cars have to be very comfortable sitting at 200 plus miles an hour down the Mulzahn Strait um, but also be able to take a turn at you know 80 to 120 miles an hour uh, <laughs> so these these cars are just they they are the pinnacle of motorsport, um, you know, alongside stuff like F one. Um, what makes Le Mans so crazy though is the, the time difference. Most races, you know, under an hour, maybe a couple of hours long, two, three, maybe four. Um, and then you have your endurance races that may go a little bit longer, like, uh, you know. Um, and then you have your, you know, top tier endurance race stuff. So you get like 12 hours and then you get to 24. Uh, and trying to run a car for 24 hours straight, uh, when you're pushing it constantly to the limit of its performance, is such a daunting concept that you know um especially back in the day uh when this race was started and then you know when we uh what we see in the film in 1966 you're talking about something like um 30 40 50 cars in the race and maybe 12 of them finish and you know you have your regular race racing stuff happening you know cars making contact and you know um drivers miscalculating a turn and just sliding off the track or whatever but then you have on top of that the <laughs> the endurance aspect so your car could be running fine for you know three or four hours and then you get to hour five and all of a sudden, a gasket blows, uh, a seal breaks, um, you know, this or that or the other thing, and and you're done. You know, you could get to our, you know, 20, uh, 21, and just have been, you know, the car's been f running great, but you just push it a little bit too hard, and all of a sudden, it's kaput. And you just, you had three hours to go. All you had to do was nurse it home. And now you're out of the race because you just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. Uh, so not only does it take a great development team and great builders, it takes uh, the right kind of a driver who can really feel a car and understand how the machinery is working um, and... Most of the, most of, not all, but most of the best drivers are um, uh, also very heavily involved in the development and the setup of the, of a car um, when it's being built. Uh, so they'll do a lot of testing and, um, and even in the case of uh, Ken Miles in this film, Ford v. Ferrari, uh, is, you know, also an engineer and uh you know runs his own garage 
um, fixing cars and stuff. So the dude knows every aspect of this GT40, which Ford developed, and which he helped, um, you know, develop into this championship car. And it's it, it's just it just it just blows my mind to think of the uh, the the just the overarching picture of what it's like to be in this situation and this film does such a great job of showing you the the um evolution of the development process uh when you're building a car um but on top of that you have this corporate um face to it where you have these these small independent guys uh who are working with this giant corporation <laughs> to to build a car and they're constantly butting heads because the corporate guys want to do it they want it done their way and the independent guys are like your way's stupid we have to do it this way uh otherwise it's not going to work and that is very perfectly summed up when um the 65 race <clears throat> is just a total disaster for Ford you know, um, because the the corporate guys they don't understand racing. You know, like they're a car manufacturer for regular people. Like they don't understand how how racing works. You know, and that's what made Ferrari such a powerhouse is because Enzo Ferrari. You know, say what you will about the guy, but the dude knew a thing or two about regular cars that you put on the street and racing cars that you put on a track because there's a huge difference you know i mean even if you like because for any race fans out there um like that's what makes le mans again such an incredible race is that you don't just have uh nowadays anyway uh with with a lot of these endurance races the lmps the le mans prototypes um because there are tiers now. So you have LMP1, you have LMP2, and then you have, like, road legal. Well, not road legal anymore, but, like, just a regular car that has been modified for track use. So you have all these different tiers nowadays. Back then, they didn't. It was just LMP1 all the way and, uh, you know, one category. But but nowadays, it's, it's, it's so much different, and it's just absolutely insane. Um, racing culture and again that's another thing that this that's why I say this movie is so great and one of the best racing and car films of all time is because it very greatly portrays um, and shows you racing culture uh, now granted they they take a pretty narrow view of it because you're they're showing it from the perspective of just these two guys for the most part Uh but it's still, you know, um, it's still opening the door and uh, peering through the window into, you know, this this space of what it's like to be um, one of the top tier racers and racing teams in the world, you know. Uh, well, I mean, not at the start of the race anyway. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it's, it's just so damn good. Um, and... 
the way that the racing scenes are done is extraordinary. Again, like this could not be a good movie uh, for cars or for the racing scene if it was a bunch of CGI and, uh, you know, whatever. So it's like most, for the most part, like with, with just the exception of like a couple little tweaks for like some of the crashes and stuff, it's like all real. You know, it's real cars going 200 miles an hour down a straight, real cars going 80 miles an hour around turns, um, and it's extraordinary, you know? Like, the only other film that really compares to this one is the Steve McQueen film Le Mans, um, which was absolutely extraordinary as well, because that was made way back in the day, and I think it was like the 70s. Uh, and Steve McQueen did a lot of his own driving and, you know, they didn't have CGI or anything back then. So it was just putting Steve McQueen in a really fast car, putting, strapping some cameras on it and, and go. And that's the kind of mentality that they took with, with this, uh, with this project is they were just like, nope, we're just going to get some real cars and we're going to drive them around really fast. (laughs) And, and it's, and it's spectacular because you just feel it. On the drive home, it was really, really, really weird. Because um, the, the way they shot the film, I, I, I was seeing that on my drive home. Like, the, the, the way that the road, the way that the road looked in the movie was the way that the road looked on my drive home. Um, and I was feeling my car in a way that I... Uh, I very seldom do, uh, and I real I love driving. You know, don't get me wrong, but a lot of the time I'm in my own head and I'm thinking about stuff, or you know, I've got the, my music on and I'm singing along to my music. So like I'm enjoying the drive, but um, I'm not like becoming one with the car or anything like that. And this drive home, that's what was happening for me. You know, I was. Um, I was just, I felt so much closer to my car than I, I think I ever have. And, you know, I can't wait to get back in the car and drive again. Um, the thing that sucks, though, is when I got to a stoplight and the light was red um, and I was sat there, I kind of felt like I was in prison in a way. You know, I, it was kind of soul crushing to not be moving. Um, I don't know exactly what happened to me watching this movie because I'm a very safe driver and, you know, I don't speed, I don't make aggressive lane changes, I don't, you know, try to, you know, split the gap or anything like that. I'm very, very conscious about safety and driving safely. And that didn't change, like I wasn't, I didn't suddenly turn into, you know, (laughs) I didn't suddenly turn into some maniac who was driving down a 40 mile an hour road at 100. I will admit I did exceed a little, just a tiny bit, just a little bit <laughs> of the speed limit. Just a smidge, just a smidge. But that's just because the road and my car f- could handle it, you know? Like, I don't know if you've ever driving down a road and been like, you know, this, it feels slow. Um, and then, you know, maybe you've gone five, maybe 10 miles faster than the posted speed limit and you're like this feels more right 
you know, so they're like, and in America, th- definitely that's how the roads work. In Europe, it's it's different. They have a little bit higher speed limits on certain roads. One because the roads are just for them for a a, a good majority, um, just better made, like what more well put together. Um, and then people are by and large typically better drivers over there because they have way more intense um uh like rules and restrictions and um like their driving tests are a lot tougher you know like if you go to england nowadays um the driving test is insane like i i you know i mean i'm a pretty smart guy but i don't know if i would be able to pull off this driving test and pass it you know um, <laughs> like I did okay on, on the American test, but like going to one of these European countries where it's just, there's so much more stuff involved in passing these tests on, uh, you, you know, I don't know. So, um, so it's just interesting, like how everything, you know, like there's just a lot of stuff this movie's bringing up for me, <laughs> um, which is amazing. You know, not a lot of movies, uh, make me think about stuff that really doesn't have to do with the movie too much. Like, what I'm talking about right now, like, driving tests, has nothing to do with this movie. But it makes me think about... But it made me think about it, you know? Because it just makes me think about cars and driving and race culture just in a, in a, in the most general sense. Just, like, I'm just thinking about that stuff. Just... It's just all, like, all these things are going through my head. And that's for me a, one of the hallmarks of like the truly great films is you'll you have this you know zeroed in sort of thought process but then it also like expands and expounds upon uh your your you know what ideas you have about things um in general about you know that surround that laser that that you know that very like that pinhole that uh that the idea is then you know it's like when you when when you're watching the movie when a, a movie and you you see that you know the the screen um contracts down into that little pinhole and then that that pinhole grows out and you see the full picture instead of just that one little thing that the director wants you to see um at that specific moment so that's why I think really really truly great films do is you have that that little that little pinhole and then whoosh, it just goes it just that just grows out and you're just like oh wow okay now I'm thinking about this stuff so that's what you know so you know that's what's so great about this 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 movie it's incredible um so some of the cool like and interesting sort of behind the scenes stuff is you know yeah, obviously Matt Damon and Christian Bale did some driving stuff, so they went to some a driving school. And one of the fun things is the school that Christian Bale went to. Um, one of the instructors was a friend of Ken Miles. So in addition to you know um, getting to drive a little bit, he he gets to hang out with one of Ken Miles' friends and hear stories about the '60s race scene, which. Um, you know, obviously it had to be really cool, but also just like so informative for his performance. Um, but the task of actually filming the Lamar race was 
incredibly difficult because the track as it was in 66 does not exist anymore. Um, <laughs> so these guys had to shoot in five different locations um, in order to get certain parts of the track. And these are all across the country. So I don't know the exact specifics of how they did it if they had five cars um, in like they had you know so every car they had five replicas of each car which I think wouldn't work because it's <laughs> that's that's like that's like 200 cars <laughs> but um, so I think what they did is they they just got all the shots in one location moved to the next location got all the shots moved to the next location got all the shots um, but what's crazy about that is Again, these are uh, these are like some of the shots they got in like Georgia and Florida or something like that, and then they were in California for other stuff, and then over you know over here for this stuff and over there. So what that what that entails is they have to get their shots in the first location. Then when they come to location number two, they have to recreate every single visual in terms of what the car looked like. Um, for each shot and then on top of that they have to match the weather and the lighting so where the sun is in the sky um you know just all this insane it's just insane to think of this you know because you're you're in Georgia or Florida or whatever shooting the you know moles on straight or something like that and you're in California shooting the pit scenes and you have to you know, you have to make sure that each speck of dirt is just right for this shot because the shot, the car's got, a, it's a little dirty. And then, you know, then you're in the night and it's raining. So now the car's, you know, cleaned off a little bit. Um, and then you, then these two cars uh, have a little contact. So <clears throat> you have to get some like scrape paint and you have to do that over and over and over again for each different location. You have to make the car look like brand new, then it's got to be a little bit dirty, then it's got to be, you know, completely wet, soaking wet, and then it's got to be a little bit banged up, and then you have to redo that process five times. That's insane. You know, most people, I think, think of would, you know, like maybe even you guys are sitting here listening to me talk, and you're like, that is absolutely ridiculous. What the hell kind of stupid idea is that? <laughs> I mean, because that's exactly what I thought when I heard it, because I was like, well, I mean, why wouldn't you shoot at Le Mans? Oh, the track doesn't look... I mean, surely it doesn't look that much different, but no, it does. Um, and then it's like, well, you know, then you get, then you start having, like, crazy ideas if you're an aspiring filmmaker like myself, where I'm just like, well, why, why wouldn't you just like rebuild the track? Just the whole thing, you know, because why not? Um, <laughs> and then it's like, well, that's unfeasible. That's just not possible. So, you know, it's, it's, it's insane because I mean, the reason I think like that is because the, I think in shots, you know, when it comes to movies. And so like, uh, you know, Ken Miles talked uh, in one moment with his son 
played by Noah Jupe, which, by the way, I don't know who this kid is, but he has come out of nowhere, and he's in, like, everything. Like, he was in Suburbicon with Matt Damon, and then he uh, um, just did Honey Boy with Shia LaBeouf, and then he's in this, and he's in, like, five other things in the past, like, two years. I don't know who, like, where this guy came from, but this kid is great. You know, he is one of the, he is a true up-and-coming star. Like, he just knocks it out of the park every time, man. Such a great young actor. Can't wait to see what he does next. Um, but uh, he's talking about perfect laps, Ken Miles. <clears throat> and um, he's always chasing the perfect lap. So, like, for me, that's that's a shot, you know? Like, put the, put the camera in the car and three minutes, 30 seconds of a perfect lap. Now, that again becomes unfeasible when you're, when you're talking about, okay, so, James, what that means is, Jim, what that means is, you're going to put Christian Bale in a GT40, you're going to have him drive around the track at 220 miles an hour, and get a lap time of three minutes and 30 seconds flat? Like, are you insane? And then I'd be sitting there like, yeah, I am! We're going to do this! <laughs> um... <laughs> But um, even though they weren't able to do that with this movie, they still did such an amazing job. You know, like the racing. Like honestly, I, I, I thinking about it, I, I can't think of any faults this movie has. You know, like even um, like the characters when like because like sometimes I've been a dick like that and I've docked a film points just because I don't like what's going on with the story. Like the characters are doing something and I'm like is so stupid but it has to be that way because that that's the story um i've only done it like a couple of times but i've done i have done it <laughs> but you know like i'm sitting there and i'm watching you know ford and this this prick lee bb or whatever the fuck his name is um you know just constantly undermining carol shelby and ken miles's work and but i'm like well no i mean like yeah because that's that's exactly what you know, um, which is weird because that's usually the kind of thing that I get really pissed off about. Um, and, but I don't know, you know, like I'm, I find no faults. So like, it's like a perfect movie to me, I think. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's bonkers, ridiculously good. Um, such a great story. You know, this is actually one of my, because uh, I, I do enjoy racing and cars and such. So I know this story um, of the, of the you know, fight between Ford and Ferrari uh, coming to a head at Le Mans. And uh, uh, so, you know, f for me, who, who likes this racing stuff, um, to see it done so masterfully well is just truly joyful. But also, it's great because it's easily consumed by people who are not car people or race fans. Uh, which, again, like, it's it's so tough for a movie to be about something so specific that, you know, like, a lot of people like race cars and, and, and racing, but you don't really, you know, it's, it's like sports, you know, like, like football or, um, baseball or, or, uh, or American football, 
um, you know, stuff like that, um, where it's like, yeah, you like watching the game, but you yourself are not an athlete, so you don't really, you know, sometimes there's stuff you don't understand, like, you don't, like, you know, there are people that don't understand what ERA means in baseball, earned run, but, uh, you know, or, uh, what a, what deuce means in tennis, you know, um, just, you know, stuff like that. And for when you when you do a movie about something that's so specific, like like especially something like motor racing, um, it can be really easy to lose the audience in a bunch of techno babble speak. You know, like uh, we've got a we've got a tweak, we've got to work the suspension like this, and we've got a you know the the uh, we've got to put the cams on the this. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, so, to ride that line of let's get the car stuff right, but make it interesting enough for people who don't know car stuff, so that we don't lose them in in all this tech speak, you know, this this technical mumbo jumbo, um, and and that's what this movie does so perfectly. Like when Ken Miles talks about how the car is performing, you you get it, and. Um, and that's and, and that's again just something that is tough to do. Uh, so you know, my hat is off, my um, my hands together and apart and together again. Um, I salute this team uh, of brilliant um, filmmakers who put this together because it is extraordinary. You know, absolutely extraordinary. I cannot wait to see this movie again, because um, it it is so goddamn good. All right, I've been talking for a while now. I think I've covered everything. <laughs> if not, I will revisit this at a later date. But um, I think I think we're good on Ford v Ferrari for now. <laughs> So, um, just again, absolutely amazing. You should go see it. If you made it through this entire half an hour of me talking about this movie, you're a trooper. So, thank you. And, um... <laughs> I can't... I just looked down at the time on the recording, and it's like a half an hour. I'm like, what? I've been talking for half an hour. Um, but anyway, that'll do it. Um... <laughs> oh, my God. I've been talking for half an hour about a movie about cars and stuff. Um, but anyway, that'll do it for us for tonight. Um, thank you so much for uh, tuning in and listening. I uh, hope you enjoyed uh, this latest episode of Jim Goes to the Movies. Uh, if you... Uh, oh, God. See, I, 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 I don't even know my outro anymore. That, that's how good this movie was. I've forgotten my outro. Um, <laughs> thank you. Okay, so wait, hang on. It's It's... That's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for listening. Um, if you uh, like this podcast, you may also enjoy our Morning Mangami podcast hosted by Heath Bombard and our other social media content at Mangami Players across all the different stuff. Yeah, I don't know my outro, guys. I have no idea what I'm even saying right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> please check out our... Yeah, please. Wait, no. I think I got it. Hang on. Um, all right. That's going to do it. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Please check out our Morning Mangami pod... 
please check out our Morning Mangami podcast and our other social media content at Mangami Players across all the different social media sites. Uh, nope, I, I don't got it. <laughs> thank you. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. Uh, thanks for stopping by for a nightcap. And uh, have a great night, evening, day, afternoon, morning, whatever. Um, thank you and good night. Okay, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm done. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. <laughs>